Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Run Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybro, and today we have returning guest Ali Kay to talk about the TV series Children of the Stones from 1977. A full transcript of this episode is available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Good evening, Adam. Happy day. Happy day. Happy day, Ali. Happy day, Ren. <laughs> Welcome back. It's very good to have you back. Thank you. As our regular correspondent on Standing Stones yeah. um, for Still Scared. <laughs> so last time Ali was here, you were talking about... Marianne Dreams? Uh, yeah, and Paper House, the and film. Paper House, um, yeah. Which have uh, both both have sort of standing stones, but uh, of a slightly more anthropomorphic bent in the uh, original book. Yeah, yeah. I can't. It seems like a long time ago now. I just remember them being quite sinister. Yeah, um, they have they they have eyes and peer in at windows, and stomp along. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're definitely pretty mobile. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, this time uh, we are talking about Children of the Stones, um, which is a seven-episode British TV series, which was first broadcast in 1977, uh, rebroadcast once in 1978, and then never played again on the BBC. (laughs) Stricken from the records. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, apparently. Um, (laughs) How... How did, how did we come to this? How did this happen? Why are we here? What's going on? <laughs> well, okay, let's not start with the big questions. <laughs> I mean, um, I think it might be because of Stuart Lee. I think it's because of Stuart Lee, actually. Um, um, I think Stuart Lee has uh, resurrected Children of the Stones for a... Uh, single-handedly. Millennial yeah. generation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, on Charlie Brooker's screen wipe... Um, some years ago now, probably like a decade back, which is horrible to think about, um, Stuart Lee was um, complaining in uh, his grumpy old man way about the first season of Skins. Rem- remember Skins? <laughs> remember when Skins was on? Um, Not really. Yeah. Uh, well, my, my my brother liked it. I remember it when it used to be on and I complaining to him and saying, oh, there's nothing like my life and my brother saying well well, yeah it's just like my life (laughs) (laughs) yeah made me feel Mm. very (laughs) bitter and alienated and uh, but this is precisely what Stuart Lee was saying about skins and why you like Children of the Stones um that he he felt that watching Children of the Stones you know he he related to these kind of kind of outcast slightly nerdy kids and that uh, weirdos 
Yeah. <laughs> if you look at uh, the depictions of teenagers in television today, they're kind of selfish, avaricious, out for themselves. They're also kind of confident and sassy and cool, and they're really, really at home with sex and drugs. If you look at portrayals of teenagers in the 70s, in uh, say something like Children of the Stones or uh, The Changes, they're really terrified of the world, and they're uncomfortable and alienated and alone. And I think that is much truer to what it's really like to be a teenager than the way you see them in Skins. Um, so, so, so yeah, it's it's very kind of low key and British in some regards, um, but then it also has these very campy elements, uh, and it, it's a folk horror basically. In as much as we've got these two characters, um, Adam Brake, who's an astrophysicist, uh, and his son Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Are you laughing at him? Uh, I am laughing. He is an astrophysicist. He is a real astrophysicist. He's a real, he has a real job. Honest to God, astrophysicist. <laughs> and he, he does astrophysicist things like measuring the electricity of stones. Actually, yeah, yeah which is yeah. exactly what astrophysicists do. Well, as far as I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it will eventually become sort of useful that he's an astrophysicist, but it is a complete coincidence. Oh that, no, he's that, got a lot. No, it's not. It's not coincidence. It's fate. It's all fate. It's not a coincidence. Well, it's the, it's the, no, it's the law of the stones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, 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 so the, 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 these two characters. Um, Played by Gareth Thomas and who I think Peter is Demin. then later in um, Blake Seven. So you know, well, I mean, I think he was he was Blake. Oh, oh the oh, titular okay. Blake ah. of Blake Seven. So wow. you know, he did all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Peter Denim <laughs> Demin was in um, much after this, and oh. you can perhaps see why. What, anyway. what do you mean? We're going to go and do something for Peter Denham. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Peter. Yeah, he might. He might well be. If this is his only acting job, he probably is listening. Yeah. Sorry. Well, not his only one. Oh, um, anyway, I'm not. I'm, 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 I was going to cut this all out, but I think this is good stuff. Okay. <laughs> what, insulting the actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was rather good myself, um, but anyway, so we we can get into that. Yeah. So I don't. I, I call it folk horror in as much as we've got these two characters. Um, I mean, we don't know if they're city slickers. I, I imagine that they come from a uh, more urbane environment, um, or urban environment, as you might say. Yeah, um, it's not really clear where they come from. But they come from they're outsiders, and they, they yeah, and they come into this. Uh, Rural folk community with their weird traditions like Morris dancing. Mm-hmm. And as as you've said, um, the father, Adam, is there to measure the electromagnetic energy of the stones um, with his special box. Well, he's a scientist, of course, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, there's... The ominousness uh, starts pretty early. Um, the um, we'll talk about the the soundtrack for the, uh, the sort of wailing, overlapping choral music begins 
the show. It's great because um, it, I think even I can, like, I reckon we could have a good go at it, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't really have many rhythms as far as I can tell. It's just sort of like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just overlay that a few yeah, times. Yeah. I mean- <laughs> Wait till texture of the weekend. Yeah. Oh, and, and whispery bits too. Like, and I, I kept trying to work out if they were saying "Happy Day" in whisper. Like, happy I, day, oh no, happy they day, are. Happy day, happy day. I, th- I thought it was "Run away." I thought the whispers were saying "Run away, run away." Happy but day, it, happy day, run away. Yeah, could be. Could be <laughs> I think I think it was "Happy Day." Okay, yeah. Mil- Milky yeah. Way, Milky Way. <laughs> it's a lot of options. House of Stairs now. <laughs> product placement, you know, in the seventies. Um. Yeah, uh, so this this um, this choral music and images of the stones. So this was filmed in a village in Wiltshire that has these standing stones, um, and they're they're pretty pretty impressive looking things. Have either um, of you ever been to Avebury? No. No? Yeah. Oh, I haven't either, but... I thought you were going to be like a roving reporter. Yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but the it camera... looks pretty good, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, the camera mm. gets right up in there, doesn't it? Like, there's some shots which look like they're meant to be point-of-view shots, but if they are, then the kid's, like, pushing his head right up against those stones <laughs> because, the ca- you know, the camera's, like really tracing the stone's contours and everything. Yeah, I went on a little Google Earth visit this morning. Oh, um, that's nice. Look at them. Yeah. Did, did you do street view? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. So you can just have a have a little nosy at the stones in their field. Well, was there anything creepy, like, captured on the, uh, by the Google cameras? Um, Any half, no. half cats or... <laughs> no half cats, oh. no. Um, no unconscious people lying at the foot of the stones, having experienced the psychic energy. Mm, seems a bit suspicious. You'd think there would be one. You'd think that they would at least stage it for the uh, the Google cameras, wouldn't they? <laughs> like... Get all the village to like line up and hold hands. Yeah, that's what people want. Surely that's the main thing Ave is known for. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, tourist board missed a trick that day. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, get your flares on. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, as the uh, father and son are driving into the village, we see for a split second the image of a, a standing stone in the road, and it's kind of almost in the shape of a person with their arms up, uh, but it materialises into a real person. He's uh, Miss Crabtree, the housekeeper who has come to meet them. Yeah, and um, I guess it would have been too obvious if they called her like Miss Crabstone or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Stone Lady. Stone Stone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, misleads you with both a crab and a tree. Yeah. And <laughs> Don't have anything to do with um, her deal. Crabs or trees. It's a real kind of pullback and reveal. It leads you down one road. <laughs> You're like, okay, there's something going on here about the crabs. <laughs> it's them who are sending out those electric magnetic rays. Um, uh, but when they um, 
the father and son settle into their cottage um, they show Mrs Crabtree a painting they bought with them um, (laughs) (laughs) showing a standing stone circle that looks a lot like the village of Milbury well you say Uh, a lot like I mean (laughs) (laughs) can we call it a daubing rather than a painting Um, (laughs) a painting suggests a higher quality than it really has achieved, I would say, in the representational stakes, at least. <laughs> it's got a weird cartoonish sort of aesthetic. It, I mean, it's it's very ugly. Oh, it's horrible. Mm. It, it looks like... It looks like an illustration out of one of the bad Choose Your Own Adventure books. Oh. Like, not, not, not even one of the better ones. Like, you know, like, number 87 or something. You know, like... <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I guess it's that sort of kind of high fantasy slash sci-fi style um, that you would see on kind of book covers and things. Very very brown. By the looks yeah. of it, number 87 is uh, Exiled to Earth, um, <laughs> uh, illustrated by Frank Bowl. And I have to say, actually, uh, which it's got these two kids in space suits alighting uh, for a space portal on possibly a sort of Aztec or Mayan temple. Uh, and, and it's better than the painting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it shows the villagers holding hands in a ring um, around a massive column of light issuing from the centre of the circle. Um, and when Mrs Crabtree sees this, she faints instantly. Yeah. There's a lot of that in this. People, <laughs> yeah. people faint at the drop of the hat. Like, whatever's going on um, in the village seems to cause people to faint all the time. Well, if I, for one, saw such an ugly painting, <laughs> uh, I'm sure my aesthete sense would cause me to faint too. <laughs> my favourite mm. thing about the painting is that everybody treats it throughout as almost sort of documentary evidence of <laughs> what happened in pagan times. Um <laughs> Despite it very clearly being sort of a pretty modern style painting, it's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. just found it in a charity shop, yeah. like someone's GCSE art painting. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the first sort of hint that um, Matt's got some sort of special powers, um, mm. which he later manifests more. And also there's a bit about um, how... So his... His mother's died, um, his mother and Adam's wife, and uh, there's a mention that um, he's, he, Adam had to stop Matthew kind of handling his mother's possessions because he'd have these very vivid memories of her. Um, yeah. So, yeah, foreshadowing. Or yep. maybe he didn't want his son's sticky fingers or messing around with his late mm. wife's possessions. <laughs> you know, it'd be fair. Dripping his horrible it, sandwiches on yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> has anyone has anyone tried any of the sandwich? Because la- last time we did the podcast, we had I don't know if it's a new section, but Ren tried the posset. <laughs> in, in the, there's yeah. a posset in boxes lights yeah. and Ren. So I don't know if Ren, if you're going to halfway through, go and make one of these sandwiches and try it. Ham and apple crumble. Um, I'd rather not. No. Um... <laughs> Dai gives quite. A, we haven't got on to Dai yet, but he does have quite a good recipe for roast chicken, um, huh. which um, I, I would eat. 
I think all of Matt's horrible sandwiches are like beef and blancmange and stuff. So. The, I think we've pretty much all got ham in. Ham in is ham is kind of the base, I think. And then yeah, oh, do you think it he uses works like... around that? There's ham and banana good, good. with gherkins and honey, um, which mm. isn't the worst one. Um, and then there's what's in the second one? Um, ham, mint jelly, mayonnaise, and apple crumble. That that's pretty vile. Yeah, um, and I don't think I've got. Yeah, that's that's those two. Um, there's <laughs> that's another good, one good, good that's reporting. at the end, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, this is sort of just kind of comes in. But actually, um, we've already mentioned it, but it doesn't really come up until sort of the third episode that he has this sandwich thing where he likes weird sandwiches, <laughs> um, and then it that happens twice more. I don't know. I feel like it wasn't really established enough to make. <laughs> <laughs> as a kind of a character quirk. Um, very soon after they arrive, uh, Matthew's sent off uh, to explore and meets Bob, who's a local kid who shows him around. Oh, I really liked Bob early on. He he really lost his way. Like he was he, he was a great kid. Like I, I was really I was really pro Bob early on. Like like Phoebe was like, oh, this kid's weird, and I was like, no, come on, give him a chance. I like Bob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um He's got he's got a sunny disposition. Well yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. That he may have been brainwashed or something, but I, I like to think that that's just that's just Bob, you know? <laughs> um so sort of odd little things happen, like um they're racing their bikes and Matt sees an oncoming lorry, which Bob appears to ride right into, but then when Matt opens his eyes again the road's clear. Um sort of Weird little things, and also through- it's just Bob. It's just Bob. Yeah, um, and um, they stop at the corner shop, and Matthew meets Sandra for the first time, and she says some cryptic things about new people having to stick together. Um, and uh, Matthew observes that Sandra is a bit strange. Bob says that's because she's not a happy one. So this is our yeah. first. <laughs> Our first uh, introduction mm. of the, uh, the the happy the happy folk, and I think does the shopkeeper do the first uh, happy day when they leave? I I think all Bob greets her with a happy day, but yeah, I think it's in the shop. Yeah, happy day, boys. Happy day, Mrs. Warner. <laughs> Sandra's previously appeared in a sort of sinister way at the window as well. Um, she's quite Ooh, good at being yeah. spooky, um, Sandra quite like a a little girl in the wicker man just to mm. get our first wicker man reference in there <laughs> early although um, there is more morris dancing in children of the stones than there is in the wicker man yep um although there's a hobby horse in both isn't there <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> um but um yeah, Adam, meanwhile, meets uh, Sandra's mum, Margaret. Um, in the pub. She, in the They've pub. gone to the pub. They're always in the pub. <laughs> right, very, so. very, very dank little pub. With a bartender whose face we never see. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I didn't notice that. What is it hidden by a screen? No, he's just always got his back to the camera, but it... I mean, I don't know. Do you have to pay extras extra for their, their face? face. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bit weird. 
I mean, you have to pay them extra for their voice, so yeah, I guess that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Um, maybe he has a stone face. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Margaret and Sandra are also recent arrivals uh, to Milbury, and Margaret also has theories about the stones, so they there quickly. Yes, Carry they on. were introduced by Hendrik, who's, which, which is important, right? Because there's a... I mean, when they're still in the cottage before um, they've gone to the pub, when mm. Mrs Crabtree faints, she's sort of revived by Hendrik suddenly appearing behind her, like, from nowhere, even though they're all <laughs> in the cottage and sort of between where Mrs Crabtree is and the door. So he just sort of manifests, <laughs> yeah. touching her on the shoulder, and she kind of comes back to life and then Adam's like oh we've got to do business chat so off you go Matthew um mm. so yeah from the start Hendrik is quite sinister um and um yeah I, I, I really like Hendrik I think it's great <laughs> <laughs> uh yes he certainly does a lot of uh, eye acting yeah so, so so Hendrik is the kind of I don't know I was going to say owlish I don't know he's like a sort of owl crossed for stoat maybe um, he, 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 he's the kind of lo- lord of the manor, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. And he um, introduces Adam to Margaret and sort of makes a big point of the fact that she's a widow and she has a daughter. Um, and it's very like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> so, so off he, you go. He's a, he's a bit of a matchmaker. Yeah, yeah, no, um, definitely. Um, <laughs> Although, to be fair, um, late, later on he's talking to his uh, his loyal butler who says, um, there is much to be said for a celibate life. And uh, he replies, and yet I have my children. <laughs> uh, hmm. yeah. he, he considers them all his children. They're all his children. <laughs> but- yeah. <laughs> not, not in a dodgy 70s cult way. I mean, this is a dodgy 70s cult. Yeah, no, that is how he means it, I think. I mean, is he is he mostly in it for the power, do you think? I mean... Well, he explicitly says that power is the only thing, the only human goal. Yeah, that that, 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 that is a fairly, a fairly explicit... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, a fair point well made, yeah. <laughs> um... I mean, he does also seem to think that people will be, you know, better off when he's um, absorbed all their... Psychic energies. Yeah. A sin or whatever it is. Yeah, I Um, don't know. Sin sin is treated in quite a nebulous way, I think, in this programme. Like, there's a little bit of debate as, is sin, like, the equivalent of free will in his mind? Mm. Yeah, there's definitely... it's, It's more sort of negative energy. And like negativity. Yes. Okay. I think that's a bit. I think that's what somehow ties... taking that away makes you really, really good at maths. So I don't know if the energy being configured as like negative energy kind of ties this to a critique of like seventies free love cults. Um, like if 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 it that's what it's meant. If it's meant to be kind of critiquing that kind of. Um, hippie ideology of the time hmm well there was um i was reading um something recently about um 
um, something called the the Human Potential Movement. Oh, I've heard um, of that. Which um, I think started in the seventies and was a kind of sort of proto like the secret sort of all about giving out the positive energy and the world will bring you what you need and that sort of thing yeah Um, that seems that seems closer to what's going on here because it's not there's no real kind of elements of sort of the aesthetics of hippiness or free love or any of that there's no psychedelica or anything Mm. i mean it's sort of I guess plays into the folk revival, but that's not really exactly equatable. No, I, I think it's more like I think it's more like um, like a horrible business, oh. like 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 a horrible work thing where you know <laughs> the, where the boss is like we're all one big happy family, everyone's so happy. Oh, but you're not. Yeah, <laughs> but they are. they are because they're the boss (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's, it's like I mean I'm gonna have to be careful here um because you know I am employed um but it's it's like when the uh vice chancellor of a certain university I may or may not be affiliated with um (laughs) came, came, came to do an introductory talk um and you know it was generally quite good but one thing she did say was you know um, well, we're, we're all of equal value here. You know, no one is more important than another. You know, the cleaners are just as important as, as me in my role. And I kind of felt like, sort of, you know, sort of saying, oh, are, are we all going to be paid the same then? Yeah. Uh, I didn't say that, obviously. I'm still employed. But... I mean, he's very much opening himself up to that critique um, <laughs> with that statement. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I guess Seems you do get that kind of rhetoric within businesses, right? Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my reading of it, that Hendrix is a kind of terrible boss. <laughs> but, I mean, he definitely does see himself as being in charge um, mm. and as being kind of an authority figure. Um and then, yeah, exactly what his motivations are and what his plan is, um, I'm not, I'm not totally clear on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's sometimes referred to as a kind of later on as a kind of magus or, or just a priest. And I wasn't sure if the show is generally kind of sceptical about the wrong of the priest in a because I think it's an interesting show, right? Because obviously it's got this kind of dialectic between um faith and reason i suppose so mm. you know there's there's the question of well you know are are, are ley lines responsible for this build up of psychic energy and are there things beyond the senses um which you know control our destinies on some level um and the answer is definitely yes but our heroes are scientists, right? Essentially, yeah. and tend to use resolutely, yeah. you know, are like right. I want to use my, you know, oscillator to solve the problem. Um. <laughs> they get yeah. persuaded pretty quickly, though. Really, I think. Yeah, you kind of, but then it kind of is just folded into the scientific paradigm, right? Like, so it's like, okay, ley lines. Yep. Like, how are we going to study that then? It, you know, it, it, everything. Like any mysticism, like is rendered quite kind of 
scientific and rational by the protagonists quite quickly, I think. I think that's almost a feature of a lot of like actual New Age stuff, though. Yeah, um, that's so, like, I think the way they talk about like ley lines and um, like energy um, and forces and electromagnetism and things um, is, you know, you, you do get that language in like specifically this that kind of like New Age. Um, approach to the supernatural. Well, like, um, if, if this is the crystal you need to solve such and such a problem. Yeah, and I don't know, like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's, um, I don't, that, that they are being sceptical or sort of saying kind of, oh, well, if this is happening, then we've got to be able to measure it. Like okay. They're quite accepting of the idea that Matthew is psychic. They don't really do anything to try and work out how he can no, see that's true. into that's true. Um, like other people's so, experiences or yeah, psychic energies, yeah, through objects that belong to them, um, which is yeah the power he ends up having. Mm. Um, One of the first um, examples of the. The psychic energy is um, quite soon after, well, in their first meeting, um, Margaret invites Adam down to the to the stones um, to touch a stone. Um, touch it, to touch the stone. <laughs> to see if um, he's the kind of man that she thinks he is. Well, so my, my, um, my sister was laughing all the way through this sequence <laughs> and <laughs> found it very funny indeed. So. Uh, which, yeah, it's quite a coy way of putting it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, but the kind of man he is, I guess, is he touches the stone and is like, sees florid visions and then falls unconscious. <laughs> well, he flies, he doesn't just fall, he flies backwards. He flies unconscious, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um margaret's very apologetic and he's like oh yes um i i was wondering if you had some sort of psychic sense of these stones because i you know i saw some things when i touched them but it wasn't as strong as that um and he goes oh no well surely it's um magnetism um and they they have a little argument about that. Although, as the insane pl- clown posse say, effing magnets, how do they work? <laughs> I mean, that is the central question of this show. Really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is a magnet? <laughs> we, we just don't know. These stones really shouldn't be magnetic, but I, yeah, so but Adam's there to do some astrophysics on them, so he'll work it out. <laughs> the part after he's been knocked unconscious... Um, he has one of my favourite lines um, so as he's coming to um, Margaret off, um, says oh I'll get you some water um, and he says this is no time of day for a bath <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then demands whiskey um, but it's really jarring because I don't know it's such a weird response it's like, <laughs> he or something and then he realise he's just being Wacky. Yeah. <laughs> Just wants booze. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There is quite a lot of boozing in this programme, generally. Like, there's a fair amount of whiskey. And does, does, does he... I can't remember. Does um, does the son drink as well? 
No. I'm sure there was a bit where he sort of jokingly, or half-jokingly, offers him, like, some whiskey as well. Maybe. I can't remember. There might, he might, that definitely sounds like something that could have happened, but... Yeah. Yeah. He's, the son, he, he's, a, he's a good kid, isn't he? I'm surprised we don't see anyone smoking, actually. No. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But yeah, no, Matt is an obnoxiously good kid. Um, <laughs> okay, so is why we... he's so resentful of all the happy day children because they're you know they're better than him. They can do maths better than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the school um, when um, when he turns up um, at the school on the first the first day. One of the boys tries to. Uh, antagonise him and trip him over to check that he's human um, and uh, the kids are split into two groups as the kind of the quiet, obedient sort of supernaturally clever children all together at one table and the four normal kids on their own like mini oak tables um, It's weirdly <laughs> similar to that Simpsons episode right, when they they move uh, to the um, the sort of model town um, when Homer gets the new job and Bart gets put in the class for, like, slower students. Because, like, all, yeah. all of the students are really far in advance and then, you know, he's just, like, put, put with, you know, essentially, uh, you know, the kids who aren't up to speed or whatever yeah. and is disgruntled about it. I thought, yeah, oddly similar situation. <laughs> Um, also, yeah. Uh, sorry, go. <laughs> this is a kind of a an aside, but at the school, um, on their notice board, they have the uh, these orange pamphlets up on the wall, um, which are from um, the metrication board uh, when Britain switched over to the metric system, um, <laughs> and I have some of those framed on my wall um, oh. <laughs> because my parents found them in uh, my great aunt's piles of stuff when she died. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's a good spot. <laughs> I tried to get a picture but it was um it was focusing on the the characters and what they were doing. Oh, <laughs> Some oh, really wow. <laughs> Disgusting. So w- w- watching the scenes in the school did you feel really homely? Were you like, "Oh, this is kind of like being in my room." <laughs> yeah, oh, the meter, the liter. I know about those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The teacher's really cutting about all the sort of normal, non-happy kids as well. She's like, oh, well, you won't ever be able, you won't be able to do this. There's no point in asking you if you could do this um, all the time. Yeah. yeah, they're like all in the naughty corner. And poor, yeah. poor Bob gets straight up punched in the face. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I see how it makes you laugh. Poor Bob, it's horrid. Yeah. I, 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 but he's very smug about it. No, he's not. He's like Jesus. He's not smug. I mean, no, he is. He, he gets he he gets punched, and then he's like, "See, it didn't solve anything, did it?" <laughs> and walks off. Yeah, he's like, "Consider the lily." <laughs> <laughs> he is quite smug, Adam. Wow, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm just saying that if he's smug, well, maybe Jesus is a bit smug, and you, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying Bob's Jesus, but he's the closest thing we have to Jesus in the show. 
In this in this godless village. In this godless village, yeah, they should worship Bob. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, everybody in the show is well, not everybody, but a lot of the characters, including you know the heroes, are very smug a lot of the time. That's true, so. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so we get sort of some history of the stones from because um, Margaret is uh, the curator of the local museum um, and Adam goes to visit her and um, she she shows him a skeleton um, which is a nice date um, who is um, a barber surgeon who was buried under one of the stones um, I was crushed under one of the stones when they were trying to bury the stone. So, so what is what is a bar? Is this a thing like a historic oh, yeah. thing? A oh, oh yes, it is. It is. Um, so, back in in the day before surgery was its own profession, it was done on the side by barbers. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I mean they didn't have anaesthetic or anything, so it was just chopping. Um, what? So like you'd have a lot of people having their you know beards groomed and hair, and then someone else would come along and like. Oh, I've got oh, I've got a really bad kidney, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, well, I just use my scissors, like or my razor." <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they'd do a kidney, but they'd they chop a leg off. Jesus Christ! What like with the same implements they use for cutting? You get all well, I don't bl- know. You get all blood a meat and stuff cleaver or something. Hair. Yeah, probably had different things. Yeah, oh. it's just like yeah. You know, I mean, a, a side gig do, for a barber. So they used to do teeth as well. Oh, um, yeah. I think they carried on doing teeth for a bit longer. Um, well, I understand because I, I the heard, rest of the body. I heard about you know those barbers' poles which are red and white and that 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 signifying like you know blood and mm. I, I don't know foam. Um, so 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 maybe <laughs> maybe that's why I was thought. Well, why? Who are these terrible hairdressers? You know, with all this blood. You know, well, I, I guess if they're also surgeons on the side, that explains yeah. it. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what isn't explained is how they know this skeleton was a barber surgeon, <laughs> or why it's called a barber surgeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My DVD skipped a bit at this point, and I thought I'd missed some sort of explanation of that, but I, ha- I hadn't. No, no. Um... You had some scissors in one hand and a cleaver in the other, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, unexplained. Um, but... Uh, yeah, apparently they used to to bury one of the stones a year for good luck. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but then it's like I missed that. But oh, but how are there any stones left? But then I guess if people turn into stones, then they get more stones. Oh, it's just like the natural cycle of life. You know, you bury <laughs> stones, people turn into stones, and it, the, the beautiful cycle it's continues. Perfect yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, she also tells him that um, there used to be two more avenues of stones uh, extending from the circle, uh, which formed the head and tail of the solar serpent, which was the symbol of inner truth. Um, and this um, serpent symbol comes back. Um, it turns out she's read all, been reading all this off the sign that's behind her. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you a fan of the solar serpent, Ali? You seem... Generally. I mean, I don't know that 
Um, I've really encountered the solar serpent in this in the form that it seems to be being described. Do you, Hang on. Do, do you think it's quite a spurious? I mean, I I don't know. Well, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, this is is what the internet's for, I suppose. Solar serpent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I mean, I don't know. I I think I think it's a a bit. Um, what's the word? Ad ad hoc. It's a bit ad hoc. I don't know. Here, here, here it says, Red Serpent is your conscious self, who you are and who you are becoming. I am the flint and tinder of the sacred fire, reads the meditation for Red Serpent. And that's from astrodreamadvisor.com. Well, they should know. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, I do think you could put basically any two What's words. What's solar and animal? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Solar weevil. <laughs> I tried Solar Bear, but that's a nice hockey team. So. <laughs> <laughs> but what a nice hockey team. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> that logo is a bear wearing sunglasses. It's pretty good. It's <laughs> a pretty cool a bear. A polar bear. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, um, that's, that's a digression. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that, that's the internet for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they didn't have that in the 70s. That's why they were so concerned with maps and and good at good at maths and good at maths yeah and they had to um put pictures of bicycles in rabbit snares to meet people well to make make your own fun (laughs) to make your own fun (laughs) we we haven't really talked about dye yet okay Uh, whose main means of communication is the exchange of a picture of a bicycle on a piece of paper Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really explain that in a way that makes more sense because that is just what happens. That's just what happens. Yeah. 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 So, 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 die is the possible reincarnation of a barber surgeon. Oh. Well, that was my understanding. That that was my understanding. I think I, th- I think the barber. I think so. Maybe we should exp- so. What happens to die? Um, is that he sort of um, wanders around giving the kids sort of mysterious warnings Hmm. um, and is pretty much the only person in the village who's um, not a happy one. Um, And this is apparently because he lives at the sanctuary where people are safe, um, although it it seems really to be because he has a special amulet with a picture of a snake on. Um, mm. Oh yeah, and, yeah. It's definitely the amulet because it it, yeah. shatters, it shatters before he 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 dies. Yeah, the sanctuary doesn't really ever seem to really do anything um, helpful, um, mm. even though it's it's sort of lauded as being you know a special safe yeah, place, more like um, a sanctuary. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So the amulet gets broken, um, and then die is. Well, he just dies, really. Um, as per his name. As per his name, um, and then um, the kids are kind of running to, like, to see what's happened to him, um, and there's just a big rock on the ground. 
Um, my understanding is th- uh, that the rock is the rock that had originally crushed the barber surgeon, but the barber surgeon is die having gone back in time. Okay. His dead body having gone back in time. Oh. And that's why it has the other half of the amulet. Um, so it's broken and um, Matt ends up with one half. So like dies like a zombie. barber surgeon's body. So dies a zombie. No, it's a time... The barber surgeon is just his body that's gone back in time. Oh, okay, okay. Posthumously. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. Hmm. We're trying our best with this plot. It's... It's not the easiest thing to uh, explain. <laughs> well, okay, the problem is this plot has time loops in it, um, uh-huh. and time loops make make <laughs> plots quite difficult. It's definitely the time loops and not holes. <laughs> um, I'm sure the creators understood exactly how everything had connected together and had made sense. Well, it's, a, it's a great sleight of hand, though. You know, if you, your script is some plot, <laughs> plot holes, uh, t- I would advise to turn them not from plot holes to plot loops. Um, <laughs> Stephen Moffat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... But yeah, Dye's dies mm. pretty good. Like, um, he's, he's, the, he's Welsh, is he Welsh? Yeah. I mean, it's a Welsh name. He he has the spirit of Welshness about him. <laughs> yeah, no, he's referred to as being Welsh okay. um, by yeah. Adam at one point. Um, and he's a sort of poacher kind of village persona. And yeah, he he takes an interest in um, in Matt from the from when they arrive and gives him a. The first time they meet gives him very sinister warnings about how uh, no one ever leaves the circle. Um, and Matt, Matt is absolutely there for it. I mean, Matt, <laughs> Matt just loves Di. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 there's one bit uh, where I can't remember, I think his father is saying, well, you know, wh- why do you believe this hunch or something? And, and Matt's just like, Di knew it, good enough for me. <laughs> like, if Di says it, it's right, okay? <laughs> but yeah, I he really I mean Yeah. He does earlier refer to him as like being an old nutter and things like that, which seems a bit unfair cuz well, definitely unfair cuz um dies, you know, it, it, like he's not. <laughs> he's pretty lucid. I mean, not, you know, that it's okay anyway, but yeah, he you know, he's he's, he's a bit cryptic, but he has a habit of popping up at windows, but I don't think we can hold hmm. that against him particularly. Yeah. No. Um, no. I, yeah, I like I like Die. Um, I think one of one of the most likable characters, mostly because he's less smug than almost yeah. all of the other characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so on uh, one of their first. Um, Adam and Matt's one of their first uh, night in the village. Um, everyone, everyone else in the village seems to disappear apart from the other new arrivals. Um, and Matt's sort of in his room working on plotting out ley lines or something. And he hears chanting and um, goes out to investigate um, and finds the villagers holding hands in a circle around the stones and chanting. Um, can we do? Can we do some chanting? 
like that <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah it's just really eerie warbling um yeah but it's but really creepy yeah i mean the um soundtrack uh, like the chanting and the uh, the chanting also like forms the theme tune um and lots of the other um like soundtrack of the show um and it's definitely one of the creepiest things um about it hmm I think. Yeah, I mean, the chanting just sort of becomes flat out screaming in parts, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, I was also, when I was watching it on, um, <laughs> rewatching it on 1.75 speed to this morning, um, <laughs> <laughs> it became even stranger. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So he actually he goes outside, Matthew, because Dyer's chucked this rock with the picture of the bicycle wrapped round it through his window, hmm. um, because that's you know how you had to communicate in the late seventies. <laughs> yeah, and so he goes outside, and then he encounters the people singing, and then Dye knocks him out. Um, I think, or does yeah. he just touch make him touch a stone, and then oh, that knocks him out? I yeah, no, I think he does that, and then. Yeah, later on, Dyer's like, oh yeah, I saved you. Which, so, but if you hadn't chucked the rock through the window to make him die <laughs> in the first place, he'd have been quite happy just sitting there drawing ley lines. Um, but yeah, anyway. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure he had his reasons. He's, he's a pretty sensible man. To, guy, to be fair, maybe he just didn't think it through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that there's a sort of ongoing thing where they're trying to, where they're sort of all like Sandra and Matthew and um, and Adam and Margaret are kind of discussing how after people have been in the village for a while they change and become these happy dayers, and um, what is it that makes them change? Um, yeah, they figure out the thing that everybody's kind of brainwashed like quite quickly really mm. most of i mean obviously it's only a seven episode tv show and they're not long episodes so there's not a lot of time um to be dithering around but yeah most of it is more sort of trying to work out exactly how people have been changed mm. rather than like finding out that that that's happened yeah yeah um it's it's kind of similar setup to the demon headmaster, um, <laughs> yeah. some twenty years later in a way. <laughs> yeah, th- I think there's definitely a a parallel there. The um, particularly with the with the normal kids and the and the brainwashed kids. Yeah, it's a bunch of outsiders trying to work out, pierce the veil, work out what's going on with the evil adult institution of power. Hmm. Um. I thought uh, the Morris dancing scene was really great. <laughs> um, I mean, do you, is Morris dancing implicitly creepy? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And I I'm sure to... that people who do Morris dancing would 
you know, fervently disagree. That. Oh, yeah. whoa, oh. No. No. <laughs> I want to lean into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think so. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a curious dancing because it's one of the only dances that I know of that has very little rhythm. Hmm. Like, you know, I mean, there's not much it does... ebb and sway or general... It has a rhythm, it just doesn't vary very much. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Um, the, the Morris... know, there's only so much you can do with, like, bells and sticks. And <laughs> <laughs> That's true, if you are going to build your dance around bells and sticks. Mm. Ankle bells, no less. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, actually. In the uh, Unitarian carol service... I went to this year. There was Morris dancing, and uh, after after this, uh, I, I read the bells by Edgar Allan Poe, which I mean, you know, it is loosely festive. Like the first stand, it starts out Christmassy, and then Poe kind of loses interest, moves on to wedding bells, and then for most of the poem, it's just big Gothic bells and people crying out in lament. Um, mm. But um, any time I repeated the refrain of the bells, 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 uh, I got the <laughs> Morris dancers to twinkle their bells, which <laughs> probably weren't the kind of bells that Poe was <laughs> imagining, <laughs> admittedly. Not the most gothic form of bell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it, it did make the poem seem a little bit more... Um, Appropriate for the occasion, hopefully. <laughs> uh, the Morris dancing is significant because uh, Tom the farmer is part of it, who um, had previously been pretty openly contemptuous about Morris dancing, apparently, um, but is now merrily jingling away. Along, um, w- along with his adorable son. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who we already know has been brainwashed because now he can suddenly do maths. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it ends yeah. with the ends with them lifting the son Jimmo in the air and shouting, Happy Day <laughs> uh, it's just, just kind of it's just great. I really enjoyed that bit. Um, <laughs> um So yeah, it seems that there is celebratory Morris dancing after each new person is brainwashed and joins the fold. Yeah, sadly we miss um, the other instances of that. Mm. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, Adam does complain at one point and says, oh, it seems like, you know, you've got a lot of Morris dancing, it seems like you're Morris dancing every evening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of brainwashing. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) especially if people are turning into stones, you know, I guess you've got to keep up with that. Hmm. Because, yeah. you, you know, you can't... <laughs> You've got to keep making more. Well, let, let's be honest. What, what's the use of a brainwashed stone? <laughs> a, a serious ontological question, that. <laughs> um, so this is kind of about where we come to um, the Matthew being sort of psychic that we've mentioned. Um, is the remaining normal people convene and kind of discuss about how people are being brainwashed and um, if it's planned or not Um, uh, and then the doctor leaves and says he's going to visit uh, one of his old patients outside of the village Um, but he leaves his gloves behind and when Matthew touches the gloves he can see 
what the doctor is doing. Um, so he sees the doctor sort of in his car trying to drive out of Milbury, but then something blocks his path and then the picture fades. Um, so the doctor's, we think the doctor's been stopped in some way from leaving the village. He's been squabbled. <laughs> it's very, very much reminded me of um, uh, the Midwich Cuckoos um, uh, yeah. at this point. Um, <laughs> well, creepy children anyway, but the, the creepy children in the Midwich Cuckoos stop stop anyone from leaving Midwich mm. um, in a fairly similar way. But, um, yeah. Um, but the next day, the doctor goes to see Adam and Margaret at the museum and he says, oh no, I went out to see my patient and you know, nothing happened out of the ordinary. But then when he leaves, he says, what? Well, happy day. And they're like, dun, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> All the evidence we need. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, I just just meant I was feeling especially happy today. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a bit weird at this point because they don't really know what's happening, and basically the only thing that's sinister is that everybody's really happy and good at maths, mm. um, and nobody's done like anything. Bad? Well, it is quite the dystopia, isn't it? <laughs> is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, who who feels happy when doing maths? Like, I certainly, <laughs> I remember doing my GCSE maths homework, and that was one of the, you know, I, I, I'm not even joking, actually. Like, I really <laughs> did feel quite deeply unhappy doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, same, actually. Yeah. yeah. I remember staying up at night, just despairing yeah god did you have to make did you have to do nets like the Uh, you know like we had to do the you know folding paper things into into like cubes or whatever and it becoming increasingly difficult i just remember making loads of paper shapes it's horrible (laughs) all i remember is that our coursework involved like a big grid it was like seven by seven and they were just like, I just remember lines and numbers and I couldn't work out where the numbers were meant to go and the lines and it was just horrible. Yeah. So, But, so imagine how amazing it would be if you had <laughs> all your negative energy stripped away and you could just do, you know, the Hilbert transform or whatever it is. That, um, I guess I might be pretty happy. Jimbo suddenly knows how to solve. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it would be pretty, pretty useful. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they haven't really. Yeah, but but the point done is, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point is, they haven't got the free will to suffer. <laughs> I guess. I guess what I'm saying is that at, at this point in the narrative, um, Adam and Matt and Margaret and Sandra, like, are very sort of freaked out about everything, but. Nothing that bad really seems to be happening around them. I mean, it does later turn out that, yes, like everybody's being essentially brainwashed, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I think the main thing is how um, sort of aggressively um, 
especially Matt, how aggressive Matt is towards the people who have been brainwashed, and especially Mrs. Crabtree. <laughs> oh, that's true. He mostly just offers him, like, offers him chocolate cake and, like, breakfast and things. Um, it's basically quite nice. He's all like, yes, I suppose I'll have eggs and sausages and fried bread and chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> It's like you're really. I mean, I know she is brainwashed, but you are being quite rude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad form, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, this is about when things sort of step up a bit of a creepy notch because the the children see the fallen stone with the image of um image of the serpent of it. They go and tell Margaret, and she says that it's the same location where the barber surgeon was crushed. Then they go out to look, but then instead of a stone, there's Die dead with the broken amulet next to him. Um, Adam goes to Hendrix to call the police, um, and Hendrix says, Well, I don't think we'll bother with the police. <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh, just going to show me, show me where this body is. So Adam reluctantly takes Hendrix to look at the body, uh, but it's disappeared and been replaced just by a sort of scattering of stones. Um, They're sort of in a pattern, but I couldn't work out if there was any significance to that <laughs> or what the pattern would be. Um, so, yeah. I feel like you're watching this like you're playing an adventure game. Yeah, <laughs> like a missed a missed puzzle, <laughs> badly constructed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Hendrix back at his house um, tells his butler that he wants to make everyone one big happy family, and uh, but he has to do it in the order in which they've arrived in the village. So uh, Margaret and Sandra have to be invited first to dinner. Um. Yeah. Meanwhile. Matthew puts together some pieces of the amulet and gets a psychic vibe from it. Um, so he starts sort of getting visions and he's just sort of throwing words out like village, circle, visitor, beginning, shining, um, sort of thing. Yeah, it's very free. But more laboured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and they... Um, and they puzzle about this for a while. And um, it's just ages of Adam and Margaret just sort of constructing like different <laughs> sequences of the words together. <laughs> like, hmm, yeah. priest, bright, visitor, a visiting priest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they're doing a crossword or something. Um, and there's, there's a bit where they look at, say, one of the words is beam, and Adam sort of looks at the painting and is like look, looks at the massive beam of light in the middle of it and says could this be the beam <laughs> it's like oh. <laughs> yeah I think it probably is the beam um, and eventually they they they, they strike on uh, visitor bright and shining and decide that this means supernova <laughs> seems like a bit of a stretch <laughs> but yeah but yeah super, the supernova has already come up though mm. um because they're doing these measurements on the stone and matthew figures out that well first he thinks all the stones are at an angle and then he measures them using dye's telescope and realizes that they're actually all pointing straight upwards which yeah i mean they 
It's it's unclear to me how you would tell which direction a stone is pointing. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, they're all pointing directly upwards. Um, so his dad's like, oh, they're pointing at something directly above us, but there's nothing there. Um, so he telegrams off to um, the observatory that's in the US and they telegram back and say, oh, there's a black hole there. But yeah, that's... And, the, and then it's the big reveal where we learn that it's Hendrik's um, supernova slash black hole, and that he too is an astrophysicist. Oh yeah, and he's, he gets a bit. There's a bit where like Adam tries to lecture him uh, on like what a black hole is, and he, you can just see Hendrix waiting there to say, "Oh, actually, yeah, it's my freaking supernova." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and also the um the 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 stones are around a, a kind of underground bowl um yeah that's sort of a kind of receiver dish shape that's the that's the other tip that we learn about the um about the stones and their alignments so yeah like i hadn't really thought about this but that whole sequence with matt having the talisman just they they go from there to supernova, but they already knew about the supernova. So, I don't really, I don't really know why. I mean, I I think we're potentially tying ourselves in knots. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Possibly yeah. in reflection of the show's <laughs> plotting, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, there's there's a supernova. It's a black hole. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, we're, we're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so and and how how does it so how is Hendrix using this black hole because there's the whole thing that actually the ley lines are part of a transmitter or something? Like there's a oh, bit gosh, where Adam's yeah. like, oh, we've got it back to front. Actually, this is the transmitter. <laughs> no, right, right, yeah. So, <laughs> so they, they think at first that Hendrix is using the energy of the black hole to turn the villagers into happy dayers um, and that the supernova used to have a benign effect but when it turned into a black hole the effect was reversed and it extracts the will of the people it's used on um but then they they realize in fact that the energy doesn't come from the black hole but from milbury itself um from the from the stones and what it's transmitting is evil <laughs> to the black hole? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, so. Mm. <laughs> have you got to the bit where um, where Margaret and Sandra go to do? Well, yeah, we just skipped over that, but we need to talk about it because it's pretty great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, Adam decides that whatever is doing this must be happening at Hendrix, and he makes Margaret promise that she'll come back and see him after her and Sandra go for dinner. Um, 
and um, Matthew takes a scarf of Sandra's um, so so that he can hopefully watch what's happening through the psychic object thing. Um, so Hendrix has um, digital clocks all around his house because um, he claims he needs absolute accuracy, although he won't say for what. But um, And then he takes uh, Margaret and Sandra into his... Um, cult leader dining room yeah. <laughs> oh. he's so proud of this room <laughs> he loves it um which is a special throne <laughs> just a special s- rotating throne stone room up in the the top of the house with a big slab of a table and and big stone chairs and his his chair's bigger than all the other chairs and <laughs> it's actually quite a small room yeah um, which I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> makes it slightly less impressive and yeah um, but he has Margaret and Sandra s- sit on either side of him and he's at the head of the table and Matthew's watching this happening um, the villagers start their creepy chanting again um, <laughs> Hendrix says bon appetit my children uh, which <laughs> Just, just horrifyingly creepy, um, <laughs> and then, um, and then he does his little chant, a uh, little uh, recitation. He says, "Complete the circle, make us at one with nature and the elements." And then Matthew sees a bright light and loses contact. Um, <laughs> he says, "Complete the circle," and, and 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 yeah, that bit. And then he goes, "It is time," and sort of rotates on his chair, so he's <laughs> facing away from the table. And then the roof opens and the light comes through. But he, you can see when he's rotating that he's kind of wheeling himself around <laughs> on his leg. But his body's like completely bolt upright, and he's got this weird grin on his face. Oh, it's amazing! Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's pretty glorious. Um, then, uh, and after this, Margaret comes over to see Adam as as they'd arranged, and says, "Oh no, no, I, d- I didn't go to the to the house after all. Um, I I stayed in, and yeah, nothing happened." Um, and um, Matthew catches up with Sandra, and uh, they've decided. Uh, uh, Adam and Matthew have decided that they're leaving the village, and. Sandra's like yeah, really abruptly we yeah. don't see them have this conversation or anything no and Sandra's like oh we'll be seeing you soon <laughs> you're not really gonna leave yeah. um, Sandra is I think really good at being sinister <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's- even when she's being sort of um kind of like when, before she's brainwashed and is just um sort of trying to solve the mystery and being kind of perky um she's still Still, she's still a little bit sinister. Hmm. Yeah, I think Catherine Levy does a, a good job of being sinister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she now works as an executive producer and director of business TV. Um, okay, so yeah. she obviously kept the sinister oh. <laughs> sinisterness up. Yeah. Happy day, business TV. Yeah. I really hope the cast of this show aren't going to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. She, she did, a, did a very good job. No, she's really good. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I think she's really good. <laughs> um, so before they leave, uh, Matthew sneaks into the basement of the old church and <laughs> demands breakfast from Mrs. Crabtree. <laughs> 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 well, 
One last time. <laughs> For old um, time's and... sake, with chocolate and cake. But then he sneaks off before he's had his breakfast. Oh, yeah. whoa, what a jerk. Yeah. Um, and he sort of, I don't know, slides down a coal chute or something and um, into the basement of the church and finds uh, Hendrix. Um, vintage 70s room size computer mm. um, which yeah. is quite exciting um, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the bits that I remember most about the first time I watched it and even though it really doesn't feature for very long at all mm. um, I, I, I very clearly remembered the church having all the computers inside what does anything I seem to have a guess Hen- Hendrick's just quite sinister at him mm. um, and then, yeah, that that's it, really. He well, just takes him back home, doesn't yeah, he? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, like I, I think Hendrix feels pretty pretty darn assured that his his plan is going to come to fruition. So he doesn't really worry too much. Yeah, no, he's he's not he's not worried. Um. So yeah, Adam and Matthew try to drive out of the village. Um. Uh, the same road that the doctor took earlier um, but there's lots of jump cuts of people's eyes <laughs> mostly that's <laughs> what happens yeah and then um, they wake up in a, a spare bedroom in the big house and realise that they couldn't leave um, Hendrix comes in and smarms into the room and tells them that they will have dinner with him in 45 minutes Um then Adam quite suddenly theorises that, that they are in a parallel universe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it says, I think we missed the turning. The time turning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, uh, yeah, again, a bit of a leap, but, you know, he, he's a scientist, so... <laughs> And and then this is when they do their their theorising about the the black hole and the energy and the and what direction it's going in, um, and they decide yeah and they realise they're trapped mm. um, sort of in the house because it's surrounded by villagers chanting and also that um, Matthew thinks the thing that they nearly crashed into was actually Mrs Crabtree <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in in, um, in her stone form. In stone form, yeah. Yeah, this seems to be her her extra job. Um, which, which is, yeah, it's an interesting um, kind of bookends um, things because they crash into Mrs Crabtree at the very start as well when they're mm. arriving um, and then she stops them leaving, mm. yeah, apparently. Yeah, um, so they decide they so they they make up a, a last minute um, scientific plan um, using their science skills, and um, decide that as um, as Hendrix is uh, using the um, the digital clocks to um, to time the exact the exact alignment of um, his cult room with them. Um, with the black hole um if they change the clocks um then he will process them at the wrong time and they won't be brainwashed 
um, yep. which is uh, which works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Hendrix does his whole spiel again um, and seems a bit put He's out. Very upset yeah. that Adam doesn't. Adam doesn't like the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, what about my throat? <laughs> and are you impressed by my throat? Yeah, Adam's like, oh, it's what I'd expect from you, Hendrix. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the uh, the whole um, the whole process happens again, as we've seen, and the light comes down. Hendrix turns his back. Oh no, the light doesn't come down because it's not mm. the right time. Um, but yeah, because Hendrix turned round, so, so, he doesn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Adam and Matthew uh, pretend that they've been yep. happy. Fied. We are um, happy. We've been brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> Beep boop. Um, and Hendrix leads them out to join the rest of the villagers in the circle. Um, but instead, when they touch hands with the villagers it starts to wake them up out of their brainwash days. Yeah, the, the spell is broken. And, I mean, things get pretty wild at this point, right? Like, mm. everything goes quite blue. Um, yeah, the, the light comes down when Hendrix doesn't have his back turned and sort of comes down upon him and turns him into a, a beardy man. Yeah, he becomes um, all old, like a biblical prophet. yeah. Yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. This is a, a, another interesting plot thing. So, is he meant to be the um, the bard or druid or whatever who originally saw the supernova um, in the ancient pagan times, um, and he's somehow been kept young by this mystical practice that he's got. Yeah, I, is that what's meant to have happened? Yeah, he did, like he's t- he turned into like he's wearing robes and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I got that impression. Yeah, I think well, I think it's like you know we've got to be compatibilist about this. I think it's like he's the same person but not at the same time. Mm. Like I know that's impossible, but I've, you've got to keep that tension <laughs> yeah. at work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it's hard to know exactly what's happened, but it's something like Because that. at the end, right, after Hendrix has been aged and presumably killed... Yeah. ...and our protagonists try to leave the village, we have a new man who... It's definitely played by the same actor as Hendrix yeah. enter the village. Yes. It's suggesting the time yes. loop is looping again. Um... But before that, um, when Hendrix is, uh, the light descends on him, um, the villagers start turning to stone um, in a sequence that I imagine must have been terrifying for children watching it. Um, it's Adam and Matthew trying to escape and like Sandra and, and Margaret is sort of turning to stone, all the villagers turning to stone. Um, yeah, they 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 flee the village um, to the sanctuary, um, thereby completing the, uh, the the prophecy of that painting. Um, I shouldn't have insulted it. The painting was right all along. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and um yeah they they wake up in the sanctuary um but Dai doesn't seem to recognise them and instead of being a poacher he's a blacksmith or something um, and alive and alive yeah and furthermore <laughs> um, and he, he chucks them out of his house um, uh, Adam and Matthew find their car and leave the village again and this time it lets them go but they, they see Margaret and Sandra and mm. people who have been turned to stone but aren't um, before they go as well it basically seems like they've ended up in um, a parallel timeline mm. um, where none of the sort of spooky all the negative energies being sent to the black hole stuff has happened um, oh see I thought it was just like it reset so that it was just a time leap so that and that like new kind of figures come to kind of fill the roles or something yeah I mean that I mean I mean that seems like that that's that's the the implication something something like that is happening because then um as you say the the Hendrick reappears except that he's got a different name um driving back into the villages um Matt and Adam drive away. I mean, in in some regards, it's no less cryptic than the ending of the new Twin Peaks, really. Like, what, <laughs> what, watching it, I was almost expecting Adam to go, "What year is this?" Yeah, I mean, I guess if that's our standards, then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. Uh, I like the bit where they leave Margaret and Sandra because they're just like. <laughs> Oh well, it was nice meeting you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hope you like being a stone. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Uh, oh. Right. Right. That that's all the plot now. We've we've done it. There was so much <laughs> plot. <laughs> it took a while to Um Yeah, I mean God, it's it's like everything happened and yet nothing at all. <laughs> There's quite a lot of things that don't really go anywhere <laughs> like there's there's some stuff about the font in the church has got a snake on it and things like that that doesn't ever really get tied into well i think that's that's relevant because it's the same the emblem that die has on his amulet and it's like mm. protecting him like it's protecting the the font like it's protecting the church from the paganism uh, okay I think I thought the serpent represented paganism. Yes, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Should we do texture uh, of the week? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got an idea for the song. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think we should do it in the round, like in choral. So I'm. So if I start with a texture of the week, and then okay. Ren, if like on the of. You start, and then Ali, if you start on the off, and okay, okay. I'll try. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I, I was, I'm gonna try to do it in a chanty way, like, like in the program, and then if you, okay, okay, yeah. so. Extra of Oh, that's, that was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. 
So what is it? Uh, my, 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 mine's just, uh, I just want a simple one. Mine's the brass rubbing they do. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there's a bit where to get the snake symbol uh, down, they do some brass rubbing on a piece of paper. And uh, that's just a very nostalgic texture for me, the texture of brass rubbings. I really associate with primary school. Mm-hmm. Like going to Ipswich Museum and uh, getting to go around to do brass rubbings of uh, various exhibits. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ali? I mean, I did feel like it would be a bit willfully um, kind of <laughs> contrary to say anything other than the actual stones. <laughs> so, As it's, yeah, we're relying on you for that. They're so prominent. Um, like they, you know, like the the beginning sequence is obviously just all close ups of, of of the stones and sort of zooming in on the stones and things. But they're also in like lots and lots of shots just incidentally. Like people are always walking around the stones, and they've got a very you know, a very sort of gnarly and craggy and stony. Um, and yeah, mm. I think they're they're the most important texture. Mhm, mhm. Rand, um, do you have an even more important texture? <laughs> My texture is the clacky-mouthed horse puppet that's part of the Morris <laughs> dancing scene. <laughs> um, it's a, a full-bodied costume with a with a clacky horse mouth, and it and it goes clack 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 clack. Um, <laughs> and there's one of those in the Wicker Man as well. Yeah. <laughs> I also, the, I mean, so there's repeated kind of the sequence of seeing all the villagers um, around the church, seeing their faces and the kind of blue mm. aura. Um, that's quite a good texture. It's very spooky. That. that is pretty important. Yeah. Mm. Um, are we are we going to do our new segment? <laughs> <laughs> We have to eat ham and apple. No, 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 no. The, the new segment, I think, as introduced uh, oh, last um, last night, is claim of the week. Oh yes, claim <laughs> of the week. Do you have one, Adam? Um, no, I wasn't sure if you had one, Ali, because of all the all the kind of science claims. Oh, I should have thought about it more. Because <laughs> yeah, there are. I'm sure there. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there are some claims. Um, um should we just. I'm, Put I the mean, general my, character of, of Adam as claim of the week. Yeah, just Adam. <laughs> Clay, claim maker general. <laughs> yeah. Bold claim. I mean, there, there's a claim about the painting where they're talking about the kind of atmospheric effect. One of the characters says, I imagine this was just the effect the artist was after. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was quite a claim, frankly. The, the, art, the artist was after any deliberate effect. <laughs> Um, do you have any final thoughts um, I'd just like to say that it is actually really good (laughs) we might have like made it seem a bit arduous with all the the plot stuff but you don't really notice that so much when you're watching it and it's just really good and atmospheric it does move quite quickly as well like I mean it gets through all that in a pretty short amount of time Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the things are the thing is the thing that the, the things that are good about it um, is sort of the general atmosphere and, as I say, the soundtrack, um, which is amazing and really spooky. Um, 
and yeah, like I mean, Hendrix's performance is great, um, and so on. But yeah, it, it's not really <laughs> um, something you watch for the narrative. I think. I think I felt like with this, uh, watching it this time, I, I was noticing a lot of because I was trying to follow the plot properly so that I could like talk about mm. it, um, and I think that. <sighs> I, I don't think that's necessarily the best way of watching it. Yeah. No, I think watch it in the autumn when you're slightly drunk. Um, not if you're a kid. If you're a kid, uh, drunk on cocoa, uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> late at night, tucked up, but maybe, you know, just slightly sleep deprived. Um, just sort of taking it all in as a spooky atmosphere rather than really trying to make any sense of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Okay. <laughs> um, credits time. Um, our theme music is by Maggie Yamazaki. Our outro music is by Joe Kelly. Our artworks by Letty Wilson. And you can find us on Twitter at StillScaredPod or email us at StillScaredPodcast at gmail.com. Do you have a sign off for us, Adam? I think I'm going to keep it pretty simple this time and just say, uh, happy day, creepy kids. <laughs> happy day, creepy kids. Happy day. And thank you again to Ali for joining us. It's been thank- great. Thanks. <laughs> well, next <laughs> next time we do something about standing stones, uh, we'll yeah. ask yeah. you straight back. Yeah. Yeah. Stone-centric <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.